you are listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. Well, today we're going to be, uh, as you know, we've been doing this series of kind of taking our journaling, what we've been journaling on, and and I've told you we we're going to be sitting in Genesis, and a lot of times there's a lot of stories, how does it relate to us, and um, you know, there's some really interesting things in there. I mean, things that make me blush, quite frankly. <laughs> um, some of the stories and the accounts, historical accounts of what has taken place. But today I'm going to be talking about three reasons why your family of origin can be a blessing or a curse. And I think it's so amazing that Saraya was talking about words that were spoken over her life as a child. Three reasons why your family of origin can be a blessing or a curse and how to create a new legacy. How to create a new legacy. I'm going to tell you what the big idea is here at the beginning, just so you can follow the thread as we go through this. But your legacy is in your lineage. Your legacy is in your lineage. Now, I don't know about you, but anybody have done any of those Ancestry.com things or those DNA tests or like there's something compelling, at least for me, about knowing my families of origin. Where did I come from? Well, I, I did get one of those DNA tests done, and now they have my DNA forever, right? So they could hunt me down. They could probably reproduce me at one point. <laughs> we only need one Mark Warren in this world. We don't need two. Um, yeah. <laughs> so let me tell you. So here's, here's what it did is they, they went around and told you where you, you are most like the people who have this DNA. Now, I could get the first, they give you your top five. I can get this one. New Zealand was my number one. I, I have the most like DNA of the people in New Zealand. Number two, Ireland, that makes sense. A lot of us came from Europe, right? But this is where it gets a little crazy. So I, then I am most like from this little country in South America called Guana. Guana, it's on the tip of South America. It's, it's kind of known, it's English speaking, but yeah, it's kind of identifies with the Caribbean. That was fascinating, but here it even just goes a little bit more uh, that I am most like people from Kuwait, the Middle East. Surreya, Surreya, where's my girl? You and I, we're hanging. There you are. Sister. All right. Maybe, maybe, who knows? Way back in the day. Well, interestingly enough, there is something about that. I, I, I do think, though, that I have some African blood in me, though. The reason I say that is because I always want to clap on the offbeat. <laughs> I struggle with timing, and it's always just like, I just say that's, I just do it that way. But anyway, so here's a little bit of uh, some her my heritage. Uh, I want to show you a picture of my great-grandfather, A.T. Warren. You'll see his picture right up there. So that's my great-grandfather, A.T. Warren. Let me tell you about him. He was the bishop of the holiness movement in 1960, sorry, 1916 through 1925. The holiness movement was kind of this birthing uh, out of these camp meetings. Interestingly enough, the Foursquare Church, which we're a part of, was birthed in the uh, 1920s in L.A., but Amy Simple McPherson was from Ontario, like my great-grandfather was A.T. Warren, and they probably hung out at the same tent meetings, camp meetings. So how is it that I'm in the Foursquare Church and great-grandpa was starting these camp meetings? Well, he was the uh, bishop of this movement. That interestingly enough, 
First of all, I didn't know anything about this until I was in my 20s. Actually, later until I was in ministry. I had no desire to go into ministry. But could it be something in my, my heritage and my lineage from that? Well, the interesting thing that the holiness movement was really focused on the second work of grace, as they would call it. Entire sanctification is another word they would use, but really it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And here it was in my 20s, early 20s, that I grew up in the church, but I didn't know how to follow Jesus. I didn't have power to follow Jesus, but it was at that moment that, that in my living room, I, I shared this story that, that the... A friend of my brother's came in and introduced me to this Holy Spirit and this second work of grace or this infilling of the Holy Spirit came upon me. Well, it's interesting. I later found out that not only A.T. Warren was in my line, but then I come from a long line of ministers, which I didn't even know, and I won't bore you with those details. But if you look back into Genesis where we have been um, looking at, there is something about Something that gets passed on from generation to generation. And I want you to think about your own life. And maybe that's why our desire to know something about our past, something about our family heritage is intriguing to us. Because are we actually living out what somebody has already set in motion for us? It's interesting when you think about that. Then you say, well, God, God has a plan and a purpose for us. But how much is that spiritual DNA carried on? Well, I'd say my first point in, in looking at three reasons why your family of origin can be a blessing or a curse. Number one is God's favor can be passed down through the generations. God's favor can be passed down through the generations. And we see this through Abraham, who is son Isaac, and then his son Jacob, who then has many sons, but Joseph. This family line begins to unfold based on God's blessing and God's favor. This spiritual legacy that keeps going on. Well, in this story, so we know that Abraham has Isaac. We, we talked about this. Isaac, Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac, but God provided another. And we were talking about, you know, don't, don't let the, the promise be the prize. We said, let Jesus be the prize, right? And, and we're realizing now Isaac comes onto the scene. Isaac gives birth, gets married, and he has two sons, Jacob and Esau. Esau, who is the oldest, um, they were twins, actually doesn't have any thought that there is another generation behind him. And if we're not careful, actually, as Americans, we can think and live that way, that that. I'm going to live for myself today and not realizing that your living today actually passes something on for tomorrow. The next generations, future generations. And here Esau sells his birthright to Jacob for a bowl of soup or stew. And, and Esau goes like, what am I going to do with a birthright? You know, even if I get all of dad's inheritance, why would I even care about that? Because I'm going to get old and die anyways. In many ways, we can think that, right? We can think, hey, I'm just going to die, and then who cares what happens after me? But I, I, I think we should care. Because the way that we live our life today, as we see through Scripture, is actually going to be the way that is going to influence and impact generations to come. So then Jacob gets the blessing, right? So then Jacob 
um, goes off and gets uh, married. Well, he's kind of tricked into this place. He really loves uh, Rachel, but he's got to take Leah, the sister, as kind of second prize along the way. <laughs> Poor Leah. But anyways, he, he then has to work for his, uh, his father-in-law, Laban. But, but this interesting thing that every time that Laban tried to trick Jacob, by the way, Jacob had to work for him for 20 years. And every time that it was kind of like he, he wanted to pay the price for his bride. And, and so he, Laban tricked Jacob into all these years that he worked for him. But, but as Jacob would, would raise the flock and, and you know, Laban was, I'll take the pure ones or I'll take the speckled ones. And every time that, that J- Jacob's flock just got larger and larger because God's favor was upon him because of the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. By the way, the 20 years, he finally got his, uh, his, his releasing. He escaped from Laban, and, and 20 years is a long time. And remember, we said last week, don't, don't let God's delay be God's denial, right? So sometimes you don't see it happening so right in front of you so quickly, but God's delay is not God's denial, and 20 years he gets released. But we begin to start seeing God's favor passed on from generation Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, but I also want to talk about when we're saying about God's favorite favor, God doesn't have favorites. God does not have favorites, but he does give his followers favor. I, I want you to realize that God has blessings and, and favor on you, but there is something to be said about also lineage in the favor that God has placed on our lines. Now, you, you might be saying, well, I don't really know about my family legacy, my family history. I don't know if I'm receiving the blessings from my forefathers. I don't know what is being passed down. Or maybe you do, and it's like, I don't want any of that. <laughs> I'm sure all of us have people in our families like, we, we don't want that passed down. Or looking in our own lives, we're saying, I don't want to pass that down. But God's favor can be passed down through the generations. I think that's the first point to realize that, that how we live today, because it's not only are we living based on the shoulders of somebody else. I didn't even realize my great-grandfather, A.T. Warren, was a, was a minister that, that something happened in our family line that, that God had purposed a lot of ministers to be birthed through our family line. It could be passed down. And I want to read this psalm to you, Psalm verse five, chapter 5, verse 12. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as a shield. So we know that God's blessing can be for us and wants to be on us. And his favor is to be like a shield around you. Anybody want God's favor? Amen. Oh, yes. We want God's favor. But here's, here's the other thing, though. Num- point number two. God's favor can be removed from you and your family tree. And we don't want to talk about this one because it's not a pretty, it's not a pretty scene and it's not a good thought to think about. Because we all want God's favor, but could it be that, that God's favor could be removed from us? Well, we get into the story of Reuben. So Reuben is Jacob's oldest son from uh, Leah, um, one of his wives, Thankfully, we got that straightened away in the New Testament, right? We don't need to have multiple wives. One is enough. In a good sense. I just want to give all my love to one. That's what I'm trying to say, right? (laughs) 
Okay, good, good recovery. Okay. Um, <laughs> so Reuben, who's the firstborn, let me just read a scripture. So remember that Jacob's name was changed to Israel. So when you read some things here, and we're saying we're not talking about the country Israel, which by the way, the country Israel ended up being named after him, but, but Israel being his name, his name was changed from Jacob to Israel. So Genesis 35:22 says, while Israel lived in the land, Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel, Jacob heard of it. So Jacob actually, not only did he have two wives, he had two other concubines. All a concubine is, is it's kind of a, a wife's status, thank you so much. A wife's status, but kind of like, you're not the primary wife, you're kind of like the secondary wife. And I, I don't know if that would uh, interest any of you ladies to know that you're the second choice in the line there. So, but here he is, so Reuben goes and sleeps with one of his dad's concubines, really sleeps with one of his wives. And uh, I'll tell you, there's a lot of stuff in here that will just make you blush. It's just kind of crazy. But, but here it is. So then in Genesis 49, this is what we read about Reuben. When Jacob is on his deathbed and giving his final blessings to his sons, in other words, passing down his favor from generation to generation, to Reuben, he states, you are my firstborn, my might and my first fruits of my vigor, excelling in rank and excelling in power. But here he goes, unstable as water. You shall no longer excel because you went up to your father's bed and you defiled it and you went up onto my couch. God is removing his favor, his blessing over Reuben. And you say, well, is that, that doesn't sound too good. And when I read this scripture, it doesn't even sound even better for us. In, in Deuteronomy 5 verse 9, it says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the parents of the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Punishing all the generations afterwards? And so then you're quickly thinking, am I, am I punished or am I blessed? <laughs> what's my family tree? What's the, what's the blessing or the curse in my family line? So we know that, that spiritual blessing can pass on from generation. We know that spiritual curses can pass on from generations. And, and I want to give you some encouragement, though, because that's Old Testament. This is where we begin to bring us to the places of the New Covenant. Here's a third point. Your family tree is defining, but it does not define you. I love Soraya's story because that's really what it is talking about. See, sometimes those cursing, those cursing words can start to, to shape us and mold us in, in our family tree because, you know, her, her biological dad was maybe didn't treat us so nice and who knows what his life was like and these, these things just kept getting passed down and passed down and, and yet, you know, her mom trying to struggle through her own stuff says words that she probably didn't really mean but she regrets or, or what have you. Then it shaped her, shaped Soraya, Soraya. And it defined her for a moment in time until God broke free and, and she allowed the freedom to actually find that, 
that even though her family tree is defining, it didn't define her. Who defined her was what Jesus says she is. That's what defines us. See, when we just take the old covenant, the old testament, the old stories that are taking place, the real accounts, and God is in the midst of them, but that's why we needed a savior because our family tree, our story can be rewritten. So yes, it's nice to get the favors from generations behind us and, and we want to live that and, they, and it begins to inform us. Our generations behind us informs us and how we live will inform the generations in front of us. But as much as it's informing us, it doesn't transform us like the power and the presence of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I think that's why Paul himself in Timothy, he's telling Timothy, he says, devote, don't devote yourself to myths and endless genealogies. Like, yeah, this, you know, this is where my dad came, my great-grandfather. This is who I belong to. This is the genealogy, right? He says, don't get hung up in those things. It's fun to research them a little bit. It's, it's kind of neat to know where you came from. But he's saying, don't get hung up on these endless genealogies, which promote speculation rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. In other words, he's saying don't let genealogies define you. Let, let the stewardship of God, your relationship with God to begin to define you. That's what defines you. I love this verse in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5. It said, God predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. See, it doesn't really matter what family line you came from. Now, if it's all good stuff, we're like, I claim that one. I like that one. I guess God's favor on that one. <laughs> but all the bad stuff, it, it, does, it does impact you. It does, it does have influence on you. So that's why it is important to be mindful of how we're living our life today and what are we passing on to the next generations. But I have to say that we can break those curses we can break those unhealthy family lineage and those family trees that, that if you're going to go back and, and those things that are in your bloodlines, the beautiful thing of this is coming to Christ, he, he puts you into a different family. He puts you into the family of God. The Bible says that if anyone is in Christ Jesus, you'll see the slide, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Today, I, I want to give you some encouragement in this way. One, I think it's great to know that you're living. Some of you are living based on, on the prayers of your grandparents to pray for your family. Some of you here today, just as we sang that song, broke off curses of people defining and saying things of who you are that that God never intended those words to define you. Break off those curses. But I think most importantly, though, we need to realize that we're accepted. For those of you who come to Christ, you're now into a new family. Your family, your physical family tree will, yes, inform you, but it doesn't define you. Jesus defines us. There's a scripture that... Um, talking about God's favor, that Audra would pray over our kids. 
And it's in Luke chapter two. And this speaking of Jesus, but we can take those words. And you know, our words have power. Do you realize that? They have power to build up and they have power to tear down. It's really important to guard our words. You can't take them back once they're released. But it says this in Luke chapter two, verse 52. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. I want you to increase in favor with God and with men. That's my prayer for you this morning. If the worship team wants to come back up, I have a few more minutes on, on this topic that I want to just, I want to read this scripture in Romans chapter 11, verse 17. Remember, the main point of today is your legacy is in your lineage. And it goes both ways, though. Your lineage, your past, your ancestors begin to play out the legacy that you're living today. But your legacy is also in your lineage, meaning the way that you're living today is gonna to affect the lineage the other direction, the next generations. It's good to know where you've come from because some of you need to break off some of those curses of your past. Some of you need to receive the blessing though of your forefathers and realize they've passed on something to you and you need to honor that heritage. But then all of us need to come to this place of saying, but we are adopted into a new family. And really what defines us is the family of God, the, the lineage that God has brought us into. And the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans spells this out for us. I'm going to start in verse 17, chapter 11. But if some of the branches from Abraham's tree were broken off like some of his kids didn't get that blessing because of the wrong things that they had done. Although the wild olive shoot were grafted in amongst the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. This is true. They are broken off because they're unbelief. But you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. And that's not fear like be afraid. It's like have reverence of God. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. I, I love that balance because many times Old Testament we see the severity of God. But he's also very kind, loving, and we read this from this. Severity towards those who have fallen. But God's kindness to you 
provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you'll be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. Church, that is so hopeful. This whole grafting thing, by the way, this is the whole analogy of, of being rooted in Christ. That, that our lineage really happens to be is who are we rooted in? Who's our father? And if we keep God our father and rooted in Christ Jesus, we take on a new destiny. We take on a new legacy and our story becomes rewritten. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God has a power to graft them in again. Now that scripture is talking about Israel, the line of that lineage. But he's also talking about the Gentiles. By the way, I'm not going to get too crude here, but the uncircumcised. Remember, the promise was given to those who were circumcised back in Abraham's time. That was the covenantal promise. That was evidence of the blessing of God in your life. And then all of a sudden, Jesus comes on and says, hey, uncircumcised Gentiles, you're in. Come in. I'm making room for you. You can have the same blessing. You can have the same favor with God. You can still have everything that God has for you. Now today, how does that relate to us? I would say this, that you might have made mistakes. Your family of origin might have made a lot of mistakes. But those mistakes don't have to define you. Those mistakes don't have to be that curse that lives over your life. Those mistakes don't have to be the thing that keeps you away from God's favor. Instead, we just have to say, Jesus, I'm grafted into you. Jesus, you are my king. You are my Lord. And when we graft ourselves and we posture our lives and submit our lives into that place where we say, I'm committed to you, Jesus. Our father in heaven looks down. He, all he sees is this, this child, son and daughter that he wants to have his favor be poured out in your life. But that favor, as we're told in Romans, is for those that will walk faithfully with God. Your family tree does inform you, but it doesn't define you. The only thing that has the ability to transform and to change the legacy of your future really is the work of Jesus Christ in your life. He's rewriting a story, and I, I, I believe that there are going to be generations in the future hundred years from now, they're going to post a picture of you like I did with my great-grandfather and said, it was because of him, John, Sue, my great-great-grandmother, my great-great-grandfather. They were faithfully walking out their call. I, I knew that. I heard they had gone to this church called Grace Capital Church. I saw it in Ancestry.com. <laughs> They were baptized there. They, were, they gave their life there. 
And a family story and a family tree got to be rewritten because of a decision that somebody made at some point to say, I want to be grafted in and fully in to what Jesus has for my life. I'm going to break off those curses. I'm not going to live defined by those mistakes. I'm writing a new story. The only new story that gets passed on spiritually is the story of the good stuff, the favored stuff is rooted in Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If this ministry has impacted you and you would like to partner with Grace Capital Church to impact the communities around you, please join us at gccnh.com forward slash partners.